Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Stuart Gethner. Thanks for being on the show, Stuart. Honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Stuart started and sold three different pharmacies and now focuses his attention on real estate investment practice. Senior instructor at the Commercial Real Estate Institute, where he has taught on 10 different real estate subjects that over 5,000 students have attended. Offers real estate investing coaching and consulting services. Stuart, grateful to have you on the show. A pleasure to meet you personally and uh, and just grateful for your time. I know the listeners and myself are going to learn a lot from you and have a lot to learn from you. So, you know, to give us a little bit of background on yourself in the commercial real estate space, obviously you're very experienced in, in uh, teaching that many people and been in the game for a while. But tell us a little bit about how you got here and let's jump in. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I used to watch these infomercials on television, guys like Carlton Sheets and Dave Delgado, and they would be on the shores of Hawaii surfing and then having, so they would say, the money roll in from all the real estate investments. And I said, when I grow up, that's what I want to be doing. So it's certainly not as easy as they made it seem, but it certainly has its payoffs. Nice. Okay. So that inspired you at a young age that inspired you and said, I I can do that. Yeah. And, you know, thank you for mentioning about the pharmacies. I'm a pharmacist and I still am a pharmacist. Used to own, I'm in the Scottsdale, Phoenix, Arizona area. Used to own pharmacies here, independent pharmacies. And I had a nurse come up to me. One of our pharmacies was a hospice pharmacy. And she said, do you know what the number one regrets of my patients are? And I said, probably spending too much time at the office and not enough time with their family. And she says, you're wrong. And I'm like, well, what, what is it? She said, they live their life for someone else. And my dad was a pharmacist, my grandpa, my uncle Max, they were all pharmacists. I couldn't make it in major league baseball. So I went into pharmacy and I said to myself, you know, it's as time passes, it was just yesterday. I was a kid. Now I'm an adult getting older. If I don't do this now, I may never get it done. So I had a chance to sell the pharmacies back in 2012. And I've been working in, in the real estate investment community ever since. Okay. So 2012, you made that decision. I'm going to go do this. And that's probably a pretty good time to, to go do it. What gave you the confidence to be able to jump in to real estate and, and I mean, to sell, you know, the, the practice? I mean, you, obviously that you didn't, you didn't make that happen overnight. You know I mean? I know that took a lot of work, right? And you decided to sell that. Right. You know, I, I had been an instructor for the Rio Salado College out here for the pharmacy technician program. And I started doing a little dabbling and in investing in real estate myself and I was doing residential real estate, and I liked the concept from commercial real estate on triple net leases, where the tenant pays for the taxes, the repairs, all the other things that go with. And so I kind of invented in our neck of the woods, the lease option strategy using a triple net lease with tenants. And from there, it really escalated. I would have people put money down to do a lease option, and I'm sure you've heard this story before, most of them, move on. They, they don't exercise their option to buy. And so I was able to do that two or three times with just one property. I realized in order to scale, we want to make sure that we can have all the pieces in, in place. And what really intrigued me was commercial real estate, because you can continue to buy single family, single family, single family. And, and I did that, but it's so much easier to have 
all your homes, if you will, under one roof, like an apartment complex, than it is to just driving all across town to different neighborhoods to check on your various properties. Wow. Okay. So you, you teach 10 different subjects at the Commercial Real Estate Institute. What are a couple of the subjects that are most attended by students? How to buy property out of foreclosure, pre-foreclosure, foreclosure. In the real estate school, we have a lot of beginners. So we have a beginner series program that I teach as well. How to buy property in bankruptcy. Uh, I was teaching how to buy property in short sales before short sales became a household name many years ago. So there's a, a lot of different strategies that I taught. Probably what I find most intriguing, to, to be honest with you, Whitney, is one, one of the policies the school has is if you sign up for a course, you're allowed to take that course for free for the next 12 months. So if the material was too intense, you can come back. If there's a new manual, they'll give you a new manual. And I would see students not just taking it again in the same year. I would have students coming back to my class the next year, same class, and the next year. And I'm scratching my head wondering, you know, am I not a good instructor? And, and I always got voted the best instructor at the school. And then it realized people, they're just always getting ready to get ready, right? There, there, there's a confidence thing about taking that leap. And so that's why I started my coaching consulting practice to kind of hold people's hands as they transition through that first, second, and third deal so they can learn that you don't need to be a pharmacist, an attorney, a lawyer, or a doctor to be doing this real estate investing. It, it, it's not very hard. It's hard work, but it's not hard. That was a good quote there. You said people are always getting ready to get ready. And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I get calls every week, whether it's about podcasting or getting started raising capital or, you know, to get, get in the commercial real estate business. And, and then, you know, I noticed there's people that two years later, nothing's happened. Right. Right. And so, you know, help us with that a little bit. I know, you know, you, working with that many students, let's just dive into that a little bit there, because I know there's many listeners who have probably been in those shoes for a good while. Or they've been listening to the show for, you know, two years almost and, and maybe still have not taken that, that step yet. And so, you know, help us with that a little bit. Personally, I know so much goes back to mindset and just getting out there and making it happen. But but help us to put some tread to that. You know, how do you help people do that? So Whitney, you're spot on. In, in my opinion, everything has to do with mindset. Mindset and attitude and what goes on between your ears is everything. But to answer your question, what I found that students and people have most challenging is confidence. And so they may have all the relationships. They may have the ability to find property. They may have the ability to work partnerships, joint ventures, but they don't have the confidence. And it's kind of like when you go for a job and, they, and the job requirements are you got to have some experience. It's like, how do you get the experience to get the job without someone giving you a chance to have the experience? So confidence is the number one obstacle. And I think the way that I found most effective to be able to help folks out is to be a coach, a consultant, to be there when you need me. So I'll give you an example. I have a coach. Her name is Cheryl. So we call her Coach Cheryl. And back in the day, we would have a standing appointment on Fridays. So every Friday, I have a consult with, with my coach, my mentor, and there were some weeks on a Tuesday, I wanted to talk to her, but my appointment wasn't until Friday. And then there were some days where on a Friday, I'd have really nothing to talk about. So I think the biggest challenge is being there when you need them, even if it's for a simple question or a, even a long question or to walk property or to help through a contract or to help through negotiations, being able to have someone 
you know, one of the things that we do is we'll make live phone calls. When, when we put on our seminars and our conferences, they're educational based. We'll literally make live phone calls to active listings or to FISBOs for sale by owners. And people enjoy hearing that I still get flustered. I still ask silly questions. People will still hang up on me. So that gives them the confidence to know that if they fall, someone who's been doing this for a while with a lot of experience, maybe a little gray hair, still has challenges as well. Rejection's hard, right? And and it seems like you know, getting started in this business, you just already we don't expect it maybe, or or we don't you know, if you just think, okay, I have to be rejected twenty five times before I get one yes, and and you know, me personally, I just want to say, okay, when do we get started? Yeah, you know, yeah. That, that's a great point. And and so for our KPIs, our metrics, you know, when we're humming, we're dropping a little over 10,000 pieces of direct mail a month. We do different types of advertising. But from what we can tell, we need about 30 to 40 phone calls, 30 to 40 touches, 30 to 40 touches, emails, whatever that looks like, in order to get a deal. So we're going to hear no 30 to 39 times before we're going to hear a yes. And so I can honestly tell you, one of the reasons I think that we don't have a high success rate when people jump into this market is they, because they get discouraged, mm. right? And then they'll get an email about, look at cryptocurrency, look at this opportunity. And because they're discouraged, they get distracted. And so they have the commitment starting out, but over time, if they don't see the little pieces of success, the little baby steps, it's easy to fall off the wagon. Is it important to track that? Like, you know, like you said, we know it's going to take 30 to 40 pieces of mail or email or phone call. Like, is it important to track that? You know, let me tell you, we were writing contracts as everybody does. We were writing contracts after contracts, offers after offers, right? And they're getting rejected. And we had a pile sitting on the desk. And it was like, what do you do with all these rejected offers? And maybe there's two, three, four months worth. I am not a realtor. I'm not an agent, but my lovely bride, Stephanie, is. And so I asked her to do me a favor. I asked her maybe to go through this pile and see if any of them had sold, to see if anybody was still interested. And we had about 40 offers that, that she went through. Four of those offers, four of those contracts, two were accepted below what we asked. Wow. So someone had accepted an offer, ours was higher, they rejected us, and as time went on, they took an offer less than ours. And the other two, one was $500 more than ours, and one was $1,500 more than ours. So I learned, even though you have the rejection of your offer, that doesn't mean the deal's dead. And so we put a system in place to cycle through those every 30, 45 days, those rejected offers. And we found that we were getting close to a 10% acceptance rate on that pile if we just stayed in touch and follow through. And, and that's that's the challenge I think everybody has in any sales, whether, whether you're in real estate or you're selling cars or whatever you're selling, the money's in the follow through, don't you think? Yes, the money is in the follow through, I like that. I like that a lot. So help us with that a little bit. I know a lot of the listeners are trying to learn to raise capital. They're trying to, you know, start in the syndication business, obviously. But help us to have that follow through. Let's say with investors. You know, how have you seen people do that well? Or they get nervous and, and they expect to hear no, right? You're afraid to hear no from investors. And and I, I know I was there at one time. You know, I just had to do it anyway, right? Help them though a little bit, you know, working through getting ready to hear no numerous times. Sure. Well, I, I always like to joke, if you've ever been on a date or if you've married, you've probably handled rejection before, right? 
So it's not really new. It's not fun. It's not exciting, but it is challenging. And especially when you're going to try to ask somebody for money, when you're going to try to raise capital, raise money, and use OPM, other people's money, it can be challenging. And so the advice that I, that I give my clients is we start with a transaction. We start with a deal. So we can ask people, hey, would you be interested in investing with me if I found something? A lot of people say, yeah, you know, when, when you get something, let me know. And so most investors, at the end of the day, they all want to see something on paper or on a spreadsheet or whatever that looks like. So you can put a beautiful brochure together. We're buying a 70-unit apartment complex down in Tucson. All we have is a bland spreadsheet. And we send that off to the investors. They want to see the numbers. So you have to know your numbers and you have to be comfortable knowing your numbers, whether it's what percent vacancy, how much does it cost to turn over a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment. You have to get comfortable with that. And that only comes with time. And trust me, I still make mistakes. So you're going to make mistakes. Nothing's ever note perfect the first time you write your, your song. But at the end of the day, what I found with the investors that I work with, and, and I've said this to our classes, we offer at no charge to read your business plan. So if you have a business plan, I, I also had instruct for the local RIA. I have 12 online classes for the national RIA. Read your business plan. Of all the hundreds or thousands of business plans I've ever read, not one of them ends with, I'm going to get divorced and I'm going to lose everything. Not one of them ends with, my partner's going to drain the bank account and I'm going to have to go bankrupt. They all have happy endings. Every plan I've ever read has a happy ending. And we know that that doesn't always happen, right? It, nothing ever goes according to plan, but, but you wouldn't know it if you didn't have a plan. So the investor ultimately, because he or she knows that what's on paper may not come to fruition, ultimately they're investing in you. They're investing in your ability to, because when everything goes right, if you're steering a ship on the ocean and it's smooth sailing, anybody can steer the ship. It's when the storms come, right? That's when we want the experience, the knowledge, the wisdom. Someone is going to you know, roll up their sleeves and, and get in there and, and work to fix it. So the, the advice to your audience is to create some type of spreadsheet when you have that even if it's a fictitious one, you just want to start getting to know the numbers, whether you're going into syndication for apartments or, or commercial strip malls, whatever that looks like, you need to know your numbers of maintenance, repairs, and be comfortable talking about it. And, and I'll tell you, the, the first time you talk about it, you know, when I sold my pharmacies, that day I was on my way to our local RIA meeting. And whenever anybody would ask me, you know, what do you do? I would say, you know, I'm a pharmacist, I own pharmacies, I do real estate on the side. I couldn't say that anymore. I had just sold my pharmacies. So now the next words out of my mouth when someone asked me, what do you do? They were uncomfortable. I, I really didn't know what or how to say it. Mm -hmm. So the first time you say stuff, it's going to be so much different than the 10th time you say it, than the 100th time you say it. So just getting that experience under your belt, working through that uncomfortableness is the challenge, but that is the path to success. So the sooner you get started, the sooner you're going to get more comfortable. Absolutely. Right. And there's two, I'm sure you've heard this, there's two great times to invest in real estate. The first time was 20 years ago, and the second time, right now. That is right. I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. Operators are, are, I mean, investors are investing in the operator more than any deal. No doubt about it. Doesn't matter how good the deal is. If you got somebody that's dishonest, it's probably not going to go well, right? You know, you've read all those business plans. What do you see in a in a business plan that helps portray 
you know, that honesty and that, hey, we're a company that's trying to do it as most up and up as possible. And that we're somebody that's going to be standing strong and as, as we can in that storm and have our investors first in our mind. How do you see that portrayed in business plans the best? Especially when I'm looking at numbers, the number one thing that I think all investors look for, experienced investors, is the category on your spreadsheet called miscellaneous. In other words, I need to put money in a miscellaneous category that I have no idea what I'm going to need it for, but I know that I'm missing something. You know, they say you never get hit by the bus you see coming. And so I put business plans together and there's always something that comes up. If, if we're doing development, there, there may be a, a boulder in the ground that we didn't know was there. And now we got to hire a crane to get it out. I didn't know it was there. So all experienced investors, when they look at your numbers, they want to see a category called miscellaneous. And the, the answer is, I don't know what that's going to be used for, but I know I'm going to need it. And if you like the numbers with the miscellaneous category, if I don't have to use it, then you're going to love my deal. Yeah. So just like a reserve budget, just in case, emergency fund type. Exactly. Okay. I love that. I love that. We're really big on having a big reserve budget for, I mean, we're not, excuse me for better words, but just ignorant enough to think that we know everything, right? (laughs) You know, so. Well, yeah. And stuff never ceases to amaze me, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, Stuart, what's been the, say the hardest part of the say syndication process, commercial real estate business for you? Oh, it's challenging jumping through the hoops with the SEC. It's challenging jumping through the hoops with the attorneys. Sometimes it's a hurry up and wait mentality. Uh, We got some paperwork. We got some questions. They've got some questions. Hurry up, fill this out. So you stop what you're doing. And and it's nothing that simple. You got to either go back and get previous tax returns or type a letter of explanation or whatever. And then you get it to them and submit it. And now it's wait. So I call it the hurry up and wait mentality. Got hurry, hurry up and get this to me, and then you got to wait. What's a uh, creative way that you've that either you personally or you've seen other people find investors or connect with investors? Well, back in the day before there was a pandemic, putting on social events, putting on educational seminars. You know, I get invited all the time to go to a Ruth Chris Steakhouse or Mastro Steakhouse for a free steak or some nice restaurant while they want to give me a presentation on insurance or how to deal with social security benefits or whatever the topic du jour might be. But for me, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan and I've crewed a few of his events. I went to his business mastery and I embrace his way of marketing and that's marketing by education. So when we put on our monthly events or when we put our, our, our biannual events, I just think it's really cheesy to stand up on stage and go, if you buy today, I'll throw in my Ginsu knives in the back of the room. I just think that's cheesy. So I like to give educational-based seminars and conferences where you come to learn. And there's a segment of the population that will come up to me, usually about a third, and say, hey, I'd like to know more about how to work with you or how to do these. Can you coach? Can you consult with me? A third of the people will get the information that they need and be able to leave and go on their way and use it. And then a third of the people I found still scratch their heads. And like we said a little earlier, they're going to get ready to get ready or or they're going to go to the next seminar, the next conference. I think they call them conference junkies or something of that nature, where they just hop from one to the next and just they don't get it done. So I like marketing. I like finding investors. I like finding clients by education based. Now we're doing more webinars and doing more like we're doing here, more podcasts because we have to keep our social distance. But ultimately, this too shall pass. At some point, this will pass. And I look forward to getting back to meeting people one-on-one face-to-face. 
what's your advice for being prepared for a downturn or, or maybe a way that you were prepared before, you know, this pandemic? I, I got a good friend of mine. His, his name is Joe Cook and he's in his 60s and he's been doing money, real estate, his whole career since he was since 21. And he told me he's been in eight downturn cycles, eight. And he looked at me one day and he said, you know, you know how many I was able to predict? And I was like, no, he's like zero. So I don't think anybody saw this pandemic coming. I don't think anyone saw some of the crisis that we saw 10, 12 years ago coming. Right. I think that you want to not be over leveraged. When we saw what happened 10, 12 years ago, 07, 08, 09, people were over leveraged. But when your barber starts talking about investing in real estate, maybe it's the time to sit back and get back to cash. And that's what we did here. Our barber, my hairstylist, was talking about getting into real estate investing. And I remembered that nugget when your barber starts talking about real estate investing. So my lovely bride and I, we thought we would just kind of liquidate a few other assets and sit on cash. And I think as we look forward to the Q3 and Q4 of this year, there's going to be some opportunities. I, I like hearing that from you. <laughs> What's the, say, a number one thing or something you've done recently to improve your business that we could apply to ours? Well, here's a nugget that I'll share with you. I did this a little while ago, but I think it's important. When I first started, and, and when anybody starts a business, when, whenever you start, you do everything. It, whether it's in real estate, you, you answer the phone, you take out the garbage, you raise the capital, you do the books. Whatever it takes, you do. Uh, you walk the property, you write the offers, whatever that is. One of the things that I noticed that I was doing was in January, February, I would take the last 12 months of books from the bank statements and I'd go into QuickBooks and I would then reconcile last year's January, last year's February. And I'd enter every transaction because I wasn't really keen on keeping good books. I knew books were important, but it really wasn't a strong suit of mine. And then it dawned on me that could I do my books? Yes, I could do my books should I do my books was a better question. And so finding someone, even though when we grow, when we scale, we have to learn to lean on others. We opened multiple pharmacies back in the day. And whenever we would open a, another pharmacy, we'd have to hire a pharmacist. And back in those days, pharmacists cost us 10 grand a month. So what happened to our income well, as we opened another pharmacy is our income went down because we had to lean on another person and bring that person in and train them. And, and then we were able to then eventually grow and we would grow higher than where we were before, reach, reach a new plateau, if you will. So I think when I look at others that struggle with scaling, they don't want to give up a lot of their tasks, tasks that they can lean on other people for. You know, it's like, by the time I show you how to do it, Whitney, I, I could have just done it myself and been done with it. So why take the time to train you? Because it's just going to be a waste of time. I can just get this done. And if you're looking to grow and scale, that's not a good attitude. We have to take the time to train others so that we can free up our time to do the most important work, finding deals, writing offers. Great advice. I've experienced it myself. <laughs> Great advice. <laughs> What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Being humbled, realizing that uh, I don't know it all and be willing to listen to other people. So, you know, I, I bring up my lovely bride because when I ask her opinion, I'll ask her opinion on, on something. And, and if I don't take her opinion, she, she kind of gets offended. But I, I'm not like that. So I want to get everybody's opinion. So I'll get people's opinion. I want opposing views on why I shouldn't do the deal. What's the downside? Ultimately, 
I'm going to be the decision maker. The buck stops here. So, and, and when I make a mistake, and I've made plenty of mistakes, I can find my way out of it. I know what I did. Maybe I didn't have the right piece of information had I known now what I didn't know then. But ultimately, I think what's contributed to my success mostly is being able to, to network with other people, like-minded people, positive and prosperous people, get rid of the people who bring you down, who are just nothing but negative and naysayers, listening to opposing different views of the same thing. You know, if I said to you, how, how do I get to your house today? You would give me directions but there's more than one way to get to your house. I could go another route. I can go another route. So there's a lot of different ways we can create success, right? But learning to, to, to avoid the potholes and the, and the pitfalls, that'll save you time and money. How do you like to give back? Oh, I'm a big animal fan. I, I love pets. I would adopt them all. Right now we have four dogs. My daughter does rodeo. I think she's up to about nine horses. My Stephanie, my, my lovely bride, she's allergic to cats, right? I have cats. Right across the street from our office is a charity, a shelter called Home for Good, F-U-R, Home for Good. And every time we do a transaction, we take the proceeds and we donate it across the street. So I love giving back and I love helping people. I know you're going to put my contact information up. So if, if people want to have a, a conversation with me, my goal, whenever I sit down with someone is, even if I've never seen them again ever, that they left that conversation better than when they, they came into it. So I love pets. I love helping people. And, and at the end of the day, it's not really about how much money you make. The legacy is really how many people have you helped. And for me, that's my goal is to help people. Love that, Stuart. I appreciate your desire to give back. And I'm grateful for your time today. I mean, you've you've talked about lots of things just in a short time here, and I'm grateful. I mean, whether it's from the mindset, having confidence, to dealing with rejections, to knowing how to present something to investors and, and you know, tracking that and just being ready for that no, right? And, and understanding those numbers and why it's important. Business plan, uh, and even how you all have been successful finding investors uh, through social events and education. So grateful for that, Stuart. But tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Sure. Well, I'm sure in the show notes, you'll put the email address, but my name is Stuart Gethner, S-T-U-A-R-T, Gethner, G-E-T-H-N-E-R. The website is contactstuart, www.contactstuart.com. Simple phone number, 480 is my area code, 443-4500, 480-443-4500, and then stuart at gethner.com. Awesome. That's a wrap, Stuart. Thank you very much. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.